Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. This is the culmination, the wrap-up of our tough uh, dilemmas, difficult answers, I mean, questions to all that stuff. Proverbs is a wealth of, of truth and, and uh, principles to live by that can really change our life, like all of the Word. It's timely, therefore it's timeless. And... Uh, Last week, we did wealth and uh, poverty, and, and this is kind of like a two-part series within the five-part. And so today, we're going to talk about generosity and greed to wrap this up. And uh, here, here's a question I can begin with. A- am I generous? Am I generous? Have you ever wondered, you know, you, you, you do stuff and you think, oh, it's pretty generous of me. And then there's certain things we don't do, and we wonder, hmm, maybe I should have been more generous. Well, look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, 28. Go ahead and put that up there. It says this, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. So in light of that verse, I have to be honest with myself. Yes, there's many times in my life I have not been generous, <laughs> right? You ever have those guys, you ever do this, you're kind of driving down the road and it's really snowy and bad out and there's a car off to the side of the road and they're trying to, t- trying to change a tire or they're stuck or whatever and, you, and you, kind of, you kind of think, well, maybe I should stop and help, but then you think, well, everybody's got a cell phone now these, nowadays, you only just keep driving, you know. And afterwards, you're kind of going, hmm, it was in my power to do something. I didn't do it. <laughs> so, you know, we have to be honest, there's... there's this generosity uh, is something we always have to contend for in our lives. You always have to go after it. It will always be contested. It's kind of like pride, you know. Pride is something you always have to be on guard because it finds its ways to raise its ugly head. And, and, you, and you want, we all want to walk in humility, and then we find out one day we were doing something, we go, man, I can't believe I was acting in pride. And it just shows itself. And I think generosity is the same way, and greed. Greed and selfishness tend to want to show itself in ways we, don't, we haven't seen before, and we're, it's always pressing, and we're always contending to try to be generous, and it's, it, then we've, we have thoughts about fear, fear of the future, maybe I won't have enough, or maybe I shouldn't give this way because then, you know, and we wrestle with all this stuff, and it's an ongoing battle. Now we're going to be, look, again, going through some Proverbs, but I'm going to illustrate this through a passage in the Bible that represents two hearts that are on display, exactly what we're talking about today. You have one heart that displays radical generosity and another heart that displays selfishness and greed. And it's a great story out of John chapter 12. And it's six days before the Passover, and Jesus came to Bethany, and he's with Lazarus. Lazarus has just been raised from the dead, and they're in the house together, and they're eating, they're going to have a meal, and Lazarus is at the table. And Martha is serving. And um, by the way, John, uh, in John chapter 11, the chapter prior to this, Lazarus was raised from the dead in John chapter 11. This is John chapter 12, and it's actually two months later. 
John, you know, two months ago, he got raised from the dead. <clears throat> so that's pretty amazing. Mary now comes into the room with what we would call uh, oil, very costly oil of spikenard to anoint Jesus' feet and then wipe his feet with her hair. And it says the fragrance filled the whole house, every room. Just so This is really extravagant. This is expensive stuff. And then uh, one of the disciples, Judas, who was there, he spoke up and said, hey, why, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii, which is a year's wage, and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared for the poor, the Bible says, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box, the offering box, and, and uh, he would take what was put in it. Now, Jesus said to him, he says, let her alone. She's kept this for the day of my burial, which is only a few days away. For the poor, you're always going to have with you. But me, you will not always have with me or with you. I'm, I'm going to be leaving. So you ever wonder, why did Mary give such an extravagant gift? And why did it bother Judas so much? So again, you got two hearts on display here. You have a heart of selfishness and greed displayed through G Judas. And then you have the this heart of radical generosity through Mary. Now, the enemy of generosity is not a person uh, that was displayed through Jesus. It's actually the enemy of generosity is selfishness and greed. That's our first point. Uh, every one of us have to deal with selfishness and greed. That's something you have to contend against in life. We have it from when we're children. <clears throat> one of the first words we begin to learn and articulate as a very young child is mine. Mine! Mine! And they say it with such intensity, at such a pitch, that it always bothers a nerve in the back of any parent's neck. Right? I mean, as soon as you hear it, you're like, uh, what is that sound? And you hear this, mine, mine, mine. And so you get up and you start wandering through the house, trying to find where that sound is coming from. Mine, mine. And of course, you go into the next room and there the older child's trying to pull something away from the younger child. And the younger child's screaming, mine. And they're just really into it. And it's a, quite a battle that's going on. And, and all you can, look, there's, there's a time in a parent's life when you really don't care about anything about justice. All you care about is peace and quiet, right? And so you just say, would you just give it to her? But dad, it's really mine. I don't care. She's got things of mine too. Just give it to her, <laughs> right? And so now she's got everything in the house in her possession because mine, you know, it's just something kids grow up with. Well, you hope you outgrow it. A lot of people don't. How many seen the cartoon or the animated movie? It's been around for a long time, Finding Nemo. I mean, if you haven't seen Finding Nemo, come on. <clears throat> that was a, it's almost going to be a classic one day, I think. I was just seeing Nemo's little fish flopping around on the dock. And then, the, then all of a sudden, the, the uh, camera is, the, in, is reversed, and all of a sudden you see the seagull poke his head in the camera. It goes like this. See his big seagull face. Mine. <laughs> That's what it says. Mine. <clears throat> of course, then the camera pans back and you see this massive flock of seagulls. And all of a sudden, they all start going, mine, 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 mine. They all fly over and they're all trying to get this fish. 
You see on America's Home videos, even on social media, people trying to eat a sandwich on the beach and a seagull comes in and snatches it out of their hand. They're like, what? Kids are crying. It takes a hot dog or something, you know, and these seagulls, mine? Can you just hear the seagull say, mine? Flying off. <clears throat> well, I think God's hope is that we outgrow that. Again, not everybody does. When it comes to our money, time, and resources, there's a lot of stuff in our life we want to hang on to. Proverbs 21, 13 says this, those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. Whew. Goes around, comes around, right? That's why the Bible says you reap what you sow, in a sense. Well, that happens. This is why I believe that God clearly emphasizes tithing in the Bible. Given the first 10%, uh, it's a principle, actually, think, see, it's peppered throughout the scriptures. It began with Abraham before the law was even put in place. It's just a principle. And Jesus, matter of fact, spoke more about giving than almost any topic in the Bible. And then the Apostle Paul continues that theme throughout the New Testament. So it's very clear from scripture that really nothing is really mine. It all belongs to God. And we're stewards for a short time of what, God, what belongs to God on this earth. And we must never, ever, ever confuse what belongs to God, and that's everything. Never confuse that. You get that wrong, and, you, and it'll mess with you. We have this choice through our giving, through our own generosity, to acknowledge that truth and give back to God what's already His, that He has placed in our hands. And in a sense, when we do that through our generosity, we're really saying, thank you, Lord. This is so generous of you to allow me to steward this and manage it for a season. Or if we could just try to keep everything and ignore that truth that really is a specifically even in Malachi that says when you do that, you're robbing God. You're pickpocketing God. So these are the two choices we have in life, to be generous or to rob God. Really, when you look at scriptures, it boils down to that. Now, Judas was so upset with Mary because she gave this extravagant gift. And he said, why isn't this, she sell this a gift to the poor? Now, doesn't that sound like a noble thought? Doesn't Judas sound so noble? Like, what a noble utterance. Yeah, big thief, <laughs> right? Let me give you a little background here. The Bible tells us that he didn't say that because he cared about the poor. <clears throat> Have you ever made that statement or thought about it? Seriously, come on. I I'm sure I have at times. You know, you're driving around, you see this opulent home or something. It's like, wow, they don't need all that. They should like to sell some stuff and give it to the poor. In that moment, have we ever stopped ourselves and turned it on ourselves and said, how about if you sell your house and give it to the poor? I mean, seriously, come on. You know, the things we think and say sometimes, we got to stop and wait, wait a minute. Um, because here's the deal. We forget at that moment that that person who owns that nice place could possibly be a believer and could possibly give a whole lot more than we could ever dream. And I've known many well-off believers who gave 50% and more of their income away. So we have to be really careful when it comes to pointing out who's generous and who isn't. Judas said, what's wrong with this woman? She should have sold it to give it to the poor, right? And what happens often is when we see the extravagance of someone else, we can, we can jump to the conclusion, we can jump to conclusions that aren't right. Uh, let me tell you what extravagance is to most of us here, probably. Extravagance would be that person who has a lot more than we do. We would consider that extravagant. 
until all of a sudden something happens and your income goes up. Now you got to look for something a little more extravagant, right? Uh, and so we have to be careful when we point out, point the finger at other people's extravagance because maybe we're just kind of covering up what's going on in our own heart when it comes to our own selfishness or greed or jealousy. We have to be careful with that. Uh, and this is exactly the heart of Judas that we see in the scriptures. Judas had uh, the money box. He used to take what was put in it, the offering box, traveling ministry, Jesus there throughout the Bible, they took offerings and whatnot. Um, no different than today. And uh, Judas was taking money out of it. And now to take money out of an offering box literally terrifies me. I mean, why? It's because I tell you why. That money represents 40 plus hours a week of people's hard work and talents and gifts and everything that they do. And it ultimately belongs to God. I know there's nobody in here that would even go there. It's just terrifying. Yet, Judas was a thief. And people rob God all the time and they don't even know it. Judas was selfish and greedy. Now, that, that's, that, this is why this is so critical for us to be generous and do what the Bible says and to grow in the grace of giving, talks about in 2 Corinthians, and to live in the opposite spirit of greed and selfishness uh, to sow bountifully so we can reap. And we don't have time to get in all the sowing and reaping and all that. But there's tremendous teachings throughout the scriptures in that when it comes to managing your money. But Proverbs 18, 16 says this, giving a gift can open doors. <clears throat> and that's true. There's, there's, a, there's something that comes back to us. Not only that, I believe it's referring to the doors of, and the windows of heaven that God opens that it refers to in Malachi spiritually. But Proverbs 21, 26 says this, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. In other words, followers of Christ, believers, that should be a characteristic of their life. That should be what they, they, they uh, part of their life, that should be what bleeds from us simply because of who we are in our relationship with the Lord. Now, do you think that Jesus knew that, that Judas was a thief? Ever think about that? Sure he did. He knew everything. One year before this, Jesus said, did I not chose you 12 and one of you is the devil? <laughs> I mean, Jesus is so secure, right? He's like, oh, come on, you guys, and one of you is a rascal. <laughs> but you know what? I'm okay with that because, you know, <clears throat> that's how he was. And he knew Jesus, Jesus would betray him. Uh, he knew. Now, why would he give, why would he give Judas the money box then if he knew he was going to be pilfering it? Because this is why I believe God actually likes, likes to give people opportunities to grow in areas of their weakness. He didn't give them the money box to fail. He gave them the money box to succeed, to pass. But he didn't. Now, maybe Jesus... You might be thinking maybe Jesus just shouldn't give them something that he was so tempted with. Come on, Jesus. I mean, that's not nice. It's just too great a temptation. But remember this in James, it says this. Don't let any man say that when he is tempted, he is tempted by God because God tempts no man. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of an escape so that you can stand up under it. That's what the Bible says. So when Judas was tempted, first of all, he uh, was never tempted beyond what he was able. 
And second of all, God actually made a way of escape so that he could bear up under it. He just chose not to go that route. He did it anyway because of selfishness and greed. That's the enemy of generosity. Now let's talk about extravagance and generosity. What does that look like? Okay, this is a, a 300 denarii that he's talking about here in this passage. Now the word denarii is actually plural of the word denarius. Denarius is a day's wage. And that changes over time. Denarius can be one amount in 10 AD, different in 20 AD, different in 30 AD, simply because of inflation. Like today, it's minimum wage is worth so much in 2000, now it's worth a lot more. All right, it's uh, inflation. So a denarius was a day's wage. Denarii, 300 denarii, when you uh, take off Sabbath days and holidays and all that stuff, it's about a year's wage. So when he said, why wasn't this sold for 300 denarii? He says, why wasn't this sold for a year's wage? Now, think about this with me, okay? We're looking at what is generosity. Um, would a year's salary, no matter who, who it is, in this room even, wouldn't that be a lot of money to give to the church in one offering? I mean, think about that. One whole year's salary. I mean, for all of us in here, that would be like, wow, extravagant. Extravagant. Now, would that impress God? I mean, have you ever thought about that? I mean, how much money would impress God? What would it take to impress him? Now, before you answer this, let me remind you of something. Let me remind you of the city that God lives in and his building materials. All right? Um, the streets are paved with gold. And that's pure. That's the purest of gold. That's like nothing on this planet. That's asphalt in heaven. You've heard that probably. That's God's building materials. And by the way, did you hear about the guy who snuck some gold bars into heaven? Somehow he did that. He really wanted to take his gold with him. And he, somehow he got it in his coffin. He worked it out. And he got it in his suitcase. And he actually got the gold in heaven. And Peter's like, looks at this guy. He's like, what is in your suitcase? You just open it up. Let me see what's in there. And so he opens it up. And Peter says, you brought asphalt to heaven? It's not even very good asphalt. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? I know, that's a joke, but I'm trying to give you some perspective here, right? You know the foundation walls uh, in heaven are 1,380 miles, miles long and high, and it's just ridiculous. And the Bible says they're made of diamonds, rubies, and precious stones. Again, God's building materials are pretty amazing. And the gates that are also uh, 1,380 miles high are made of pearl. Pearl! Amazing. So God owns everything. We get that. So how much money is really going to impress God? We know that no money is going to impress God. All right? We know that. But there is something that does impress God, and I'll show you where it is in scriptures. And this is where Paul was talking to the Corinthians about the Macedonians who gave beyond their ability. They gave joyfully, and they gave hilariously. And they gave out of their poverty. And he says in 2 Corinthians 8, 5, they even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. That brings ultimate joy to God. Surrendered hearts. Lives that are recklessly abandoned and saying, God, I surrender. That's what happens when we first get born again. You can't get born again without surrendering. And that, that just causes all heaven to rejoice, first of all. And then God says, now there's a heart I can work with. Let's begin the journey. 
And that brings sheer delight to God and all of heaven. Now, there's three levels of giving in the Bible. There's the tithe that you see throughout, and there's, the, there's also offerings, and then there's extravagant offerings. One guy said it this way, there's tithes, there's offerings, and there's painful offerings. Uh, nothing's painful, really. But anytime an offering was given, uh, it was one of those three in the Bible, tithe, offering, or extravagant offering. Now, there's lots of extravagant offerings in the Bible. Dave gave, David, King David gave something like $21 billion to the temple. How many think that's pretty good for a king? $21 billion. There's another one, uh, the widow who gave two mites. Uh, Jesus said she gave more than all. She gave out, I mean, that was all she had. So it's not about amount, it's sacrifice, equal sacrifice, the sacrificial place. Solomon gives thousands of offerings, right? So there's all kinds of extravagant offerings in the Bible. Um, now, according to the statistics, more, most Christians never get to the first level of giving. The tithe principle, which is 10% of your gross earnings given to the place of worship. There's, a, I think, one of the latest statistics that how many people actually give 10% of income is only like 5 or 7%. So there's a good percentage of Christians that haven't even reached the first level yet, which I think is just the starting point. It's prime in the pump. It's just where you're getting warmed up. Um, by the way, if you get to the first level, you will get to the second and third level pretty quickly, actually, uh, because that's where in Malachi it says the curse is broken and the windows of heaven are open. Something powerful happens. And you begin to flow in that and grow in that grace, and, and it's really a wonderful faith journey and you'll get to the next level. Uh, now, let's, look, look, let's go to the next point, the reward of generosity. Let's look at that for a moment. Proverbs 19.17 says this, if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. Now, if God's going to repay you, believe me, you're going to get repaid really good. Now, Proverbs 22.9 says this, blessed are those who are generous. Bottom line is, if you're generous, there is blessing in your life and will continue to be. Just how it is. Now, the story we looked at again was in John chapter 12. You can read again the same story in Matthew chapter 26 and also in Mark chapter 14 in the Synoptic Gospels. In Matthew 14, the same story, Jesus said this, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. She got massively rewarded. Now, let me just clarify one thing. I said that... Uh, I asked, you know, why, why, did bother, why did this bother Judas so much? And it was because Judas was a thief, right? He was selfish. He was greedy. He wasn't a giver. He was a taker. So when something really extravagant happens, it really bothered him. Why did Mary give such an extravagant gift? You ever wonder that? Why did she do that? What what caused her to do something like that? I mean, you're talking about a full year's wage. That's a lot of money back then, especially for a woman. I'll tell you why, I think. Because two, two months earlier, her brother Lazarus was raised from the dead. How many think that uh, that might change your view of worldly possessions a little bit if one of your close family members was raised from the dead? <laughs> yeah, a lot of things will change. But isn't it true that haven't we all been raised from the dead? Didn't Jesus come to make dead people live? Isn't that why you're here today? Because you are alive in Christ. He said you were once dead in your trespass and sin. You were once bound for hell. 
and Jesus saved you. And now you're alive in Christ. That should change a lot about us and how we think and view worldly possessions. That should. Now, she gives this extravagant gift and the reward for generosity. Jesus says, well, whoever, wherever this gospel's preached, what she did today is going to be a memorial to her. And do you realize that, that this verse is actually referencing what we're talking about today? I'm telling you, I'm telling you what this woman did. She came not thinking about that. Matter of fact, the reason why she did it, Jesus said, was because uh, she's preparing his body for the burial. This was the only anointing Jesus got before his burial, a few days before he got in the, went to the tomb. That's it. They actually put him in the tomb a few days, well, right before the Sabbath, actually, and they didn't have time to prepare his body. So after the Sabbath, they came to the tomb quickly with 100 pounds of spices to prepare Jesus' body to give him the proper burial. And they got there early in the morning, and Jesus had already checked out. He had already rose from the dead. He was gone, right? And, and <clears throat> so, in other words, Mary gave this gift, and she didn't even know where it was going, really. It was just a faith thing out of the, the joy and generosity of her heart expressed. And I think it's like that with all of us at times. You know, you give, and you're not sure who's it really going to impact, and Whose life is it really going to change? And how's it really going to touch somebody? But I'm telling you, one day, you're going to find out where every penny changed the life or touched somebody in heaven. That's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of rejoicing and a lot of people coming up saying thanks. But anyway, she didn't know the billions of lives that she's going to touch through what she did, this extravagant gift. But it's a famous story and it's told a billion times over. And Jesus said, wherever this gospel's preached, the whole world, this woman, what she has done, will be a memorial to her. And she came not expecting to receive anything, but God rewarded, because God is a rewarder. I'll show you why. Hebrews 11, 6. <clears throat> says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See that? God's a rewarder. God says he rewards. Actually, this is an interesting word, reward here. It's, it's the only time it's used in the Bible. And it's the culmination of two Greek words. I'm going to give you, the, give you this. It's, it's so cool. The first one Greek word is it means to pay what is due. And the second Greek word is very rare. It's used only a few times, and it means to give over and above what is due extravagantly. And so God is a rewarder in Scripture, and he not only gives normally what is due, but he gives over and above in extravagance. And here this woman came and did this, and here's what's really important, is if you give, God, if you give with a, a right heart, God is going to reward you and you can't stop him because it's his nature. It's just who he is. You won't be able to stop what's coming your way. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And he's a rewarder. That's who he is. It's part of his character. I read this testimony of a guy named Steve Dolan and he's a Christian. 
very inspiring. Successful business owner, about 20 years, and he's been given 50% of his income away. <clears throat> and uh, God's blessed him tremendously. And he actually teaches business seminars and how to operate and run a business God's way. And one day he's paying his bills. And he looked at how much money he had left in his checking account, and he was kind of stunned, like, wow. He thought, I wonder how much I got in my savings account. So he looks at that number, and he adds the two together, and he goes, whew, okay, thank you, Lord. And then he thought, well, I wonder how much I got in my retirement account. So, or, no, I think it was his investment account. And so he looks at that one, adds the three numbers together, and he's like kind of getting blown away. And then he says, well, I wonder about my retirement account. So he looks at that one as well, adds the four numbers together, and he realizes how incredibly blessed he is, and he's just so thankful to God. He's just, I can't believe this, Lord. He goes to bed, and he gets up the next morning, and he's having his quiet time with the Lord. And the Lord kind of interrupts his quiet time and says to him quietly in his own heart, how much money do you have? And uh, his first thought was, I knew I shouldn't have added those numbers together, right? <laughs> and then uh, he thought about it, and he says, well, Lord, what do you mean how much money do I have? How much money I got in my wallet? What are you talking about? And the Lord says, how much money do you have? He says, you mean, oh, you mean my checking account? Well, is that what you mean, Lord? What do you mean? How much money do I have? And God says, you know what I mean? How much money do you have? And so he confessed that number, very large number that he added up the day before. And then the Lord said, uh, will you give it to me? And the first thing to hit him was fear. You know, fear of the future, fear of not having enough, fear of the because that's the enemy will always contest, especially when God calls you to take a faith step. The enemy's going to be right there in your face. He'll be right in your grill. And that's what happened. And, but then he says it didn't last long because then he thought, wait a minute. He just received joy because he thought, God, you probably don't ask many people to do this. This is a privilege. And so he discussed it with his wife and they both agreed and they gave it all away. <laughs> now, the end of the next calendar year, business year, he's in his quiet time with the Lord, and the Lord said, hey, go add up those accounts again. So he went and looked at the four accounts, added them up, and he had twice as much as he had the year before. <laughs> and the Lord said to him, what took you 15 years to do, I did in one. Isn't that amazing? True story. Powerful stuff. Never did it happen before in his business, and it's never happened since. But in one year, God doubled everything that he gave. And it was just, and God doesn't ask everybody to do that. Your faith has to be at a certain level, right? I mean, come on. And, and he takes us on these journeys, and he starts us with little steps. But it's a stretch, and it's, it's, it's just a test, and it's faith. And God, again, he's a rewarder. He, he can't help himself. As a matter of fact, as it says in Malachi, go ahead and test me. It's the only place in the scriptures we're allowed to test God, you know. It's amazing. And God throws it down. And the guy picked it up. Said, okay, here we go. <laughs> amazing. And I'm not talking about materialism. That's just collecting stuff. And like the Bible says, building bigger barns. No, this is generosity. It's about being generous so we can be a blessing. That's what it's talking about. Being blessed so we can be a blessing. Giving is so important. Generosity. Now, there's a huge second component to this, and it's called stewardship. 
And that's not a bad word in the Bible, believe me. It's, the Bible has a lot to say about management and stewardship in, in the scriptures in every area of our life. And finances has two legs. And when I say two legs, I mean in order to get from one, person, one place to another, you have to use both legs to walk and get there. And so you have stewardship and you have generosity. And they both have to be working together to move you forward. And they're both very important. You can be extremely generous, but not a good steward. In other words, you can just give a lot of stuff away and just waste stuff. Waste it, waste it, waste it. Not being a good manager of what God has placed in your hands. And he's not going to bless that. He wants us to mature and to grow in that as well. That's part of maturing and being responsible. But on the other side of things, you could be a really good steward and not give anything away. And he's not going to bless that either because now it's all about materialism, just gaining stuff. I tell you, that'll suck the joy right out of life. Because God's purpose is to get the resources to the people who need it. That's what he wants to do. And he calls us into that partnership. He says, I'm not doing it without you. And, and you think about the need and the people out there, and there's all kinds of needs around in our community. Through benevolence, we go after that. And we have missionaries that we support, and we've got all kinds of stuff. You could give a list a mile long that Church on the Rock does throughout the year when it comes to meeting needs. It's a lot. Um, so the, the needs are out there, the, the, the supply is here, the supply is God, he owns everything, and he calls us into this place of meeting the needs. God, Remember, God owns everything. He owns Mars. You know, Elon Musk, when he gets there, he'll find that out. <laughs> oh, you own this place too, huh, God? Of course. So he's trying to, he's trying to get, get the resources over there. So he'll bless us to get it to the, to the need. He finds the people who will be a river and not a reservoir to get, get it to the place that needs help. So he's tapping us. God says, join me. Let me take you on a journey and you'll, you're going to have a wild, fun, adventure ride. That's really critical when, it, when we're generous that we are also good stewards and managers of, as, of the resources as well. Otherwise, remember, the blessing won't last. But God wants us to go from glory to glory in a sense. You got to have both. Um, it takes both legs to function. Why? Uh, Genesis chapter 12 verse 2 says this. Looking at our patriarch, patriarch Abraham, the father of faith. He says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. Now, blessing a person was God's idea. God said, I want to bless you. I'm going to make your name great, and you're going to be a blessing. God wants to bless his kids beyond what we could ever imagine. I believe that. We're, we're so blessed that we just, we just got to keep giving it away. Keep giving it away uh, and help people. We, we get to minister to people. You and I get to do this. Um, and... and you got to have both, though, generosity and stewardship. So why talk about money? Well, the Bible says a lot about money. And every time worship happened in the Bible, they brought an offering. It's interesting. God commanded offerings. God set up giving. It wasn't thought up by some preacher. God did it. God put it in the scriptures. It was something God did. Very purposeful, anything God does. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about giving so much, 16 out of 38 parables was all about money and possession and stewardship. And Jesus wasn't trying to get money. He didn't need people's money. He was using money to build the church, to get the word out. Now, you might be thinking, well, I use my money to build the church. No, you don't. It's God's money. <laughs> Let's get that right. Remember, he owns the earth and everything in it. It's all his, the fullness thereof. God's the owner, and we are the stewards. And Jesus taught this and communicated it through principles, again, of generosity and stewardship. So God has it all. He's directing it through those who will be stewards, who will be generous, because he's trying to get it to the need. Now, um, I've never apologized for giving, and I never will, because I believe with all of my heart that it is going to help you when you step out in it. Lori and I are continually growing in this and stretching, and we have experienced it and will continue. Um, I firmly believe, and over some people, I believe they have this assignment from the Lord to build wealth so they can build the kingdom. I really believe that. Some are marked out for that. And some are growing in that, and, and some are saying, hey, I want to do that. And the Lord will say, well, let's step up. And it's an exciting journey. I'll never apologize for preaching on marriage, never apologize for preaching on prayer, all that, because I know it's going to help you. And we don't compartmentalize the word and say, well, I'll talk about this, but not this over here, because uh, it makes me feel uncomfortable. No, we give you the whole counsel. And uh, so we're, that's what we're doing here. Um, Jesus wasn't trying to get people's money. He's trying to get people's hearts. Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A lot of times we get that backwards. We say where your heart is, there your treasure. No, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. It's hugely important we get that right. God blesses us, and he loves us, and he also wants to bless us to be a massive blessing. That's what he's after. Oh, the worship team come out. Let me finish with this last passage, this last little thought. I'm throwing a lot of stuff out there, and believe me, I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg on this topic. Remember the prayer of Jabez? It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 4. We preached through it last January during our 21-day fast. And this is how it went. Jabez was more honorable. The Bible says not just more honorable, but more honorable than his brothers. And Jabez called on the God of Israel and prayed, God, that you would bless me. Now notice he's asking God to bless him and enlarge his territory and increase his income. He says that your hand would be upon me, keep me from evil, that I would not cause pain. So he's saying, oh, that I would be a blessing to someone, that I wouldn't cause pain, but I want to be a blessing, God, so would you bless me? Enlarge my territory. And it says God granted him that request. So he prayed to be blessed. Was that a bad prayer? Was that an evil prayer? I mean, if it was, then why did God grant it? Why would God, I mean, why would God call a man who is more honorable to his, than, to, than his brothers, why would he call him blessed and bless through him and honor that prayer? He granted it. Why? Because, look, it's so he could be a blessing. Is it wrong to ask God to bless you? Man, I want to shout this from the roof. No, it's not wrong. God wants to bless you. He wants to be the head, not the tail. It's not wrong to ask God. He wants you to grow in this grace of stewardship and generosity, not just because we're meeting needs around us, 
but because you become this beautiful reflection of the generosity of God to the world you live in. That is a huge testimony in the world we live in. Because you'd be surprised how many people out there don't believe God is generous and nice. They believe he might be even kind of stingy and angry all the time. And not really understand why we would really want to have a relationship with God. But when they begin to see God's children expressing this radical generosity, they, they get a picture of God and they go, whoa, what is going on here? This is blowing my world away. This is the God you serve? I'm interested. It's his heart being expressed. So let's, let's continue to grow in this wonderful, beautiful grace as children of God. Let's stand together. Man, I just, I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg on this one, you guys. There's so much on stewardship, giving, generosity, but there it is for this, this season we're in. Next week, we start our Christmas series. But Lord, let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, <clears throat> there's so much in your word concerning this. And Lord, I know that this is such a challenge for all of us. And uh, it's expensive to live today. We know that. It's hard sometimes to make ends meet and ended up with more month than money. And, and I just pray, Jesus, you'll help us to grow even with little steps in this area of trust and faith in you. Because there's so much more. This is so much bigger than us. This is tapping into you, God, and your providing provision. This economy is going to do a lot of weird stuff, and it always has. But Lord, you aren't limited, and you are over this economy. And we trust in your goodness and your provision. And I pray you'll continue to speak to us about this, grow us in this, enlarge our hearts in this powerful truth. Because we want to be a beautiful reflection of the generosity of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.